Strong bodies, kind hearts, unstoppable minds. You're listening to Strong Girls Pod, where strong women share their stories to inspire strong girls. Welcome to Episode 7 of Strong Girls Pod, brought to you by WIS. Today, I am sitting down with Jordan Robbins, a former NCAA volleyball player and the current CEO and founder of Revly Sport, an activewear brand designed to combine the functionality of athletic wear with the comfort and luxury feeling that comes with high-end swimwear. Jordan used her own discomfort and insecurities to fuel and inspire her to create the brand and become the leader she is today. Listen in for a very real, very intimate conversation on turning discomfort into strength and leading through it. But before we jump in on this awesome conversation, we're going to hear from our sponsor, WIS. Going back with our WIS tips series, we're looking at tip number two today. So Stephanie, do you want to take us in with tip number two? Sure. Tip number two for, for specifically your age group as well is have a steady income. What that means is have money coming in that's regular. So that could be chores. That could be uh, something you do in your neighborhood. That could be babysitting. That could be a, a small job. It could be anything where you're getting something, but you're building that regular habit. That's going to set you up for success in whatever it is you do. I love it. It again, like having that little bit of steadiness can then be so much more beneficial. And we look back at the ideas that we heard in tip number one, which is save more than you spend. And you it's the same idea of if you have a steady income, you can kind of prepare yourself for the future. You can kind Absolutely. of, you can kind of have that little bit of a slush fund of the save it for our rainy days or the emergency just in case something happens. Um, and it becomes... Oh. It becomes easy when you just have a little bit of a plan. Um, and again, it could start as something as simple as babysitting or running a lemonade stand. And it could go all the way up into for if you're in college and you're in high school, like your first jobs or your first internships, starting to save then instead of just taking that money that you're making and spending it right away, having that little bit of savings, having that little slush fund, it just becomes something that's really fun to have later. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Strong Girls Pod. I'm your host, Charlie Ekstrom, and I am here with the CEO and founder of athleticswear brand Revly Sport, Jordan Robbins. Jordan, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. And for those of you who don't know a huge background about me, who don't know a huge background about my connection with Revly, I hope you do at this point. But I've actually, Revly and Jordan are my sponsors on the Pro Beach Volleyball Tour. And I've had the pleasure of working with them through NIL dealings when I was in college to now they're supporting me on this professional journey that I'm on. So this is a episode that's a little bit especially close to home, I feel like, because we get the chance to chit chat about your career as much as you know about mine. I get to find out all about you. So it's kind of a blast. <laughs> I know. So fun. I feel like you were our first NIL deal. I very well could have been because it was so early, I remember. And I remember seeing my DM of you guys being like, hey, would you be interested in partnering? And I ran up to my mom. I was like, mom, I think I got a sponsorship deal. 
And then it's obviously it's ended up being this super cool relationship that's definitely spanned beyond just sponsorship stuff. So it's very fun. I love my Revly sport. (laughs) And turns out you're super cool too. And we get to be friends. (laughs) I know that's an added bonus. I guess it's okay that we're kind of both cool people and that we get to be friends. Such a (laughs) win-win. Huge (laughs) win-win-win. All right. So now Jordan, for the people who are listening, who don't know too much about Revly, who don't know too much about your story, I'd love if you could share a little bit of your background and your story spanning through sport, kind of choices that you made post pre-sport, like what inspired Revly, all of it, what you played, what you're doing now, all of it. Let's hear the background. Whole life story. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Whole life story. Well, I played volleyball for as long as I could remember. I don't think there was any other sport that was even in contention. I got cut from the soccer team when I was eight years old. I think I'm one of like the only children in America that got cut (laughs) at that age. So it was always just volleyball. And yeah, I played all through college. I, I didn't get to play my fifth year. I redshirted and had an extra year to play. And that's kind of when I started my business. You know, I was an athlete my whole life. Volleyball was no longer an option for me, and I had a lot of free time on my hands, and that's kind of when the idea for Reveille came to me in my last semester of college. Oh, my gosh. Last semester of college. That's so fun that you're like, all right, I'm done with college. Don't really know what I'm going to do. Why don't I just start my own business then? Sounds good. to do. <laughs> no, it's so it's so cool. I love that. Not only has Revly like connected a lot to the volleyball world, obviously, you guys are my sponsor on the Pro Beach Volleyball Tour, but you guys have spanned a whole athletic lifestyle now so much deeper than just volleyball and prioritize so much emphasis on being able to move and being able to feel really comfortable in the swimsuits that you wear or in the active wear that you wear. And I love that that mindset got like originally sprouted in the volleyball world, but has gone so much beyond that. It's kind of fun. Yeah, (laughs) I think we're all about just, you know, celebrating the athlete within, you know, at the time, all of these activewear brands that existed, it was all about performance and, you know, being a professional athlete and, you know, being super hardcore and like, these are the clothes that you're going to work out in, which that didn't really exist for swimwear. You know, we started out as primarily swim and we're just looking for something that is super comfortable, that, you know, doubles as a sports bra that you can move in, that you can, you know, train in, but then you can also like chase your kids around the pool and not have to worry about anything popping out or you can just wear it to tan or you can wear it to like play a pickup game of beach volleyball or spike ball or something that you can just feel secure in so it is kind of like bridging that gap between active activity performance training but also you know just feeling secure and confident I love that and I love the idea of really catering to the athlete within it's like it doesn't necessarily have to be specifically catered for a sport but it's catered for the idea that bodies are made And clothes are made to be moved in, not to be sat in. And you can sit in them, but you can also move in them so freely, which is so nice. And you don't have to worry, like you said, about anything popping out or really like anything at all because it's just there. And it's not going to hurt you to wear it. Like it's not going to dig in. It's also not going to bug you that you have to always adjust when you're moving. So I love that. Absolutely. I know designed to move with you, not against you because so much like so many swimsuits or at least the swimsuits that I had when I was in high school or in college, if you wanted to get something that was like super high end and nice quality, like you couldn't 
play volleyball in that. You couldn't go to the beach and, you know, jump in the water without it flying off. And then anything that was meant for activity or meant like for sport was gross and would pill and would fall apart after summer or wasn't super cute or would cut in. So that's where the idea originated from was taking my favorite high-end swimsuits and the quality of those, but then merging them with my favorite sports bras and making something that was just super soft and comfortable that you could move in. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. I definitely have to say that the juniors beach volleyball players who get the access to comfy and cute bikinis are definitely at an advantage over those of us who grew up without Revly, who definitely didn't have like the cuter. We had cute options if you were willing to take a risk. (laughs) But if you weren't, if you weren't willing to take said risks, cute was definitely sacrificed in the name of practicality for sports. So yeah, it's fun seeing all the kiddos now like on the beach who are rocking their cute little suits and who they don't have to worry about anything while rocking their cute little suits. I was like, yeah, I love that. Like, I love that what I'm rocking, you're also rocking now because I didn't get to rock the cute stuff growing up. I know. it's hard. <laughs> And it's funny when like, moms come over with their little 12 year olds to buy something and they're like oh my gosh i could never wear this and in reality the moms are more of our demo you know they they want something that has coverage that they can feel good about that's cute that's high end and then the kids also really like it so we kind of have something for everybody which has been fun you know when i first started i was in college and i thought it was just going to be college girls and 22 year olds and up to 25 and it's really spanned across all ages which has been really cool to see because girls and women, we all want to feel comfortable in a swimsuit. We don't want to be chafing and have it cutting in anywhere, like no matter what age you are. So that's been really cool to connect with customers from in all ages, from 12 years old to 75 years old. That's so fun. Honestly, just makes the demographic so cool. Like you were saying, original intentions, not that, but it just has become such a cool thing. Getting to see the brand grow and also being able to share it with such a huge demographic. Yeah, Yeah. it's been fun for sure. (laughs) Definitely a little bit of a blast. (laughs) Yeah. So kind of rewinding back to the start and the origins of this podcast and a piece of Strong Girls United that we've been teaching to the girls that have come through our programming for years now is the idea. We call it our three good things mindset at practice. And what we like to say is in every day, No matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter how high, no matter how low you feel, you can always find three good things out of each day. And we do it in a journaling practice of like every day, no matter what the day was, find three good things and write them down in your journal. Because again, no matter what the day looked like, if you can find three good things to come out of that day, the rest of the day gets just so much lighter, so much easier, so much more positive. And so in the spirit of our three good things practice with Strong Girls United, we are bringing in a three favorite things aspect to Strong Girls podcast. And I was wondering, Jordan, what were your three three favorite parts of being an athlete? And then I think it's a two piece for you because not only are you an athlete, but you're a business owner. So I'd say three favorite parts of being an athlete and three things that translated over from your athletics career into being a business owner, CEO, and, you know, the overall stud you are. Oh, thank you. First <laughs> of all, I love that mindset and that mentality. I feel like I try to really live by that. Like, I don't believe in having bad days. There's just so much 
good that we have in all of our days. And we're all so lucky and blessed and just have these amazing opportunities. So if one bad thing happens in the day, like I really try to live by that mentality of don't let that ruin your whole day. So love that, first of all. And then three favorite things about being an athlete. I mean, I I love being on a team. Like I could never play an individual sport. That would be way too hard for me. I love the team aspect. I love the camaraderie of working towards a common goal together. That just fuels my fire. And that is what I miss the most about being on a team. I coach now for fun just because I, I miss it so much. And so that was definitely number one, just having your teammates and basically have them as sisters for life. Two, I'm super competitive and you know, sport is the ideal way to get out your competitiveness. It's a little <laughs> awkward now when if you're playing a game for fun and you're like the weird one ruining it because you're taking the score too seriously. So um, that's kind of avenue of being able to just like really just be myself and be as competitive as I want to be. I can do that in business, but it's definitely in a different way where it's more behind the scenes where like you can't really scream out loud and high five people and cheer. <laughs> you miss that a lot. And then three, I think, you know, going back to like working towards a common goal in sports and being an athlete, everything is super black and white. If you're achieving your goals and setting goals and then, you know, succeeding, it's very clear if you've met those goals, you know, if you're making a team or if you're winning that game, winning a national championship, whatever it is, it's really black and white if you're able to meet those goals and succeed. Whereas in the real world, you know, we can all have daily goals and yearly goals and big goals and small goals. And those are great. And you're kind of doing those on your own, but it's not as black and white, like what success is. So I think I really, I love that about being an athlete where it's very clear if you're doing well or if you're not doing well. <laughs> and there's just too much gray area in the real world. Yeah, the real world definitely has a lot more gray than sport does. Sport has a little mini gray where it's like, I feel like I'm doing good, but I'm not getting results. That might be a gray, but it's still not necessarily good. And then in the real world, it's like, I'm seeing some growth, not really getting results, but that's also a good thing, but it's also not a bad thing, but it's also, it's somewhere in the weird gray. And you're like, ah, it's so much nicer when you get tangible, like results exactly. always. Exactly. I <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I need that like clear cut vision, you know, you know exactly what you're getting. Um, so those are my favorite things about being an athlete, I think. And then I think, you know, as athletes, we all have to be super self-motivated. And that really translates well as a business owner. On a team, you have your teammates and your coaches and your parents and people pushing you. But the, at the end of the day, any real growth that you're going to have or success that you're going to have has to come from within. And you can have people riding you all day long. But if it's not coming from within and you're not driving yourself, you're really not going to get there. And I think, you know, having my own business and in the beginning, it was just me and there was no one to tell me like when to start work, when to stop work what we should do, what the path is. And so I think having that like built-in skill as an athlete of being self-motivated has really helped me get to the point of where I am. And I think it helps all athletes in all careers, you know, just having that drive and 
wanting to succeed and wanting to get to that next level, it has to come from within because there's no one telling me what to do. I wish there was, but there's no one, you know, holding my hand and telling me like, this is what we're going to do today. So I think that is one of the biggest ones. I think going back to the aspect of like being a teammate and working with all sorts of different people from all sorts of different backgrounds has really given me the skills to be able to interact with customers, interact with manufacturers, like other people that we're partnering with. I feel like I have those skills where I can talk to all different sorts of people and relate to them. And I think that also comes with years and years of being on a team and having to collaborate with people that I not necessarily would have collaborated with. <laughs> so I think that has been super helpful. And then the competitive nature of it, you know, you think being on a team in sport is like super competitive, but that doesn't even come close to what the business world is. And the stakes are much higher now. <laughs> you know, it's one <laughs> thing to like get cut from a team or to not, you know, win the big 10, but it's another thing if you're being beat out by a competitor brand for a deal, or if that this brand is succeeding way more than you are and is making more way more money than you are, that is just way higher stakes. So I think that competitiveness where it is now taking a different form where it's not screaming and cheering and jumping up and down has been, <laughs> to be channeled into this different direction. But I think that competitive nature that, you know, athletes just innately have is super, super helpful in the business world. Totally. It probably drives you to expanding your styles and your colors and everything that you've been doing. And especially in this last year where you've launched activewear line along with suits now, where you're bringing in all different cuts, all different shapes, sizes, colors, wide range. There's got to be an aspect of competition where you're like, all right, I'm going to get it a little bit higher than it was before. Just so much more driven to do it as a result of being a by nature, super competitive athlete. Yeah, absolutely. I think what kind of held me back in the beginning was really comparing myself to other brands and other, you know, female founders and social media is the worst place ever for for that and seeing people post behind the scenes and they have these super cool offices and they have like a million people on their team and getting kind of sucked into that world, but at the end of the day, I just have to be competitive with myself and what our numbers were last year and where we're going next year and exactly like at expanding to our line and growing our own brand and our own footprints. That's the most important part, not listening to outside noise. Oh my gosh. I feel like saying that is so easy. Doing that is so much harder. And yeah. being able to sit back and you're like, no, really working on focusing on ourselves. I feel like that's such an important piece. And it's really hard to learn growing up to get caught in the comparison game of like, what are they doing? What, what am I doing? And why is it less than what they're doing? And I feel like that can apply super heavily to sport as well. I'm almost wondering in the comparison game of it all, besides the like, just focus on your guys' own brand and what's going on with Revly, did you have anything in sport or just in life in general where getting caught in social comparison, things that you did to kind of help remove yourself from that mindset? I think in sport, it was definitely hard. It felt like everyone was kind of like at the same level until freshman, sophomore year when people started getting recruited. And that was really hard watching people in your position commit to schools that you wanted to go to. And it's really, really hard not to compare yourself and be like, why am I not getting these offers? Why is she going there? Like, what does she have that I don't have? So that was, I definitely remember that feeling of getting sucked into that 
vortex of the recruitment game was just so catty, so political, it was horrible. And I just remember my dad just saying that it's a marathon, not a sprint, and you're going to end up where you're supposed to end up. And these girls might be growing faster than you or better than you are now, or maybe they're committing super early. That commitment might not actually work out, but you're going to end up where you're supposed to end up. And again, way easier said than done, but I think kind of trusting the process and having faith in yourself and believing in your own abilities, like that's really kind of what got me through like that comparison time and it all did work out for me. So that's great. And then socially, I think all girls kind of feel this way of like comparing yourself to other people in person, but especially on social media when people are posting pictures and they look one way and you wish that you looked that way. That's really hard to get sucked into. And I think just going back to that mindset of like what's meant to be will find a way and I am who I am and I have my friends and my family and this is my life and I have so much to be grateful for. So just trying, you know, not to get sucked into that whole world of comparing yourself to other people. Again, way easier said than done. It was super hard in high school. I'm 28 years old right now and I still find myself falling <laughs> into that. So it's something that I'm practicing every day. But yeah, I think all women can probably relate to that. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think that that's like such a huge piece of all of it. It is so easy in every facet of life to get caught up into this idea of social comparison or this idea of other people are doing things that I want to be doing instead of just being present and something that I've learned even just in my journey of teaching and mentoring with strong girls is be where your feet are. You were saying it so perfectly of it doesn't matter what's going on in the outside of like what other people are doing. If I'm present in the moment of what I'm doing, if I'm exactly where my feet are, like that's all that matters. Again, like we're saying this, you're 28, I'm 23. This was so hard to learn and I'm still, we're both still learning it like every day. It's a really hard journey to come to the point of like, that doesn't matter anymore. This is what I'm doing now. But once you get to that point, it becomes so much easier with time and with practice, but it's a constant reminder of what I'm doing in the present moment, what I'm doing right here, right now becomes so important and so valuable to me internally. It doesn't matter what other people say, what other people think, what other people are doing. What matters is what I'm doing right now and how it's helping me in this yeah. moment. It's all you can control too, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Thinking about these external things that you have no control over is just wasted energy. <laughs> and unfortunately, I've spent way too much energy on that kind of stuff and I mean, actually, maybe not, unfortunately, maybe it's fortunately, because now I spend way less time on it. Yeah, <laughs> but you, it was there was know. a lot of time. Yeah. Now that in, now that you know, and it's like one of those, I've said this on a couple podcast episodes. So for people who have been listening for a while, you know that I say, hopefully that the people listening to this will learn from our mistakes or the things that I did. I really hope that people don't have to learn the hard way that this comparison game is not worth your time. But if you do, Welcome to the club. <laughs> like, absolutely. Been there. Been there. You will get through it. And hopefully, that this platform can serve as a good reminder and moment for everybody to learn that we all go through it, no matter what social media or no matter what outside viewpoints say. Everybody's going through a little bit of something. So it, it's, it's everybody's journey, but you got to figure it out yourself. Yeah, 100%. And it's actually, it's funny, like when Revly first started, 
you know, I started it when that last semester of college, I was in all these like digital marketing advertising classes. We had to come up with a business plan and present it. And that's kind of where the idea originally came from. But how we grew our following was we started it as a blog because we didn't have swimsuits yet. It was me and a couple friends and it was a body positivity blog. And this was in 2017 when body positivity was not cool yet. It was like just about to become cool. And I just remember like sitting around with my friends in college and I was like complaining about the way like I was like thought I was fat or something like that. And then my friend was like, oh my God, I hate my legs. And it's like, what are we talking about? Your legs are great. Like you don't think I'm fat. Why are we spending all this energy and time like so consumed with the way that we look when this is all in our head? So that's kind of where the original blog and mission came from was just our original tagline was rock what you got. <laughs> and oh my gosh, isn't that cute? And wearing a swimsuit is just like the most vulnerable thing that you can be wearing in public. You know, everything's out there for the world to see. And it was like my nightmare wearing a swimsuit. I was 21 years old. Like I wish I still looked like I did when I was 21. <laughs> it's just so crazy that, you know, we spent so much of our time like consumed with the like these little flaws that we think that we have when none of our friends see that. And so that's where the swimsuit thing came from. And that's always been our core mission of just, you know, being who you are, loving who you are and everything that comes with it and rocking what you got. So, oh my gosh, you know, the whole comparison game like really comes from that. But once we've had those conversations and it's like, what a relief. Everyone else is thinking this way too. Like, let's just oh my let gosh. that stuff go and move on with our lives. Yes, I literally, I'm a firm believer and you know me pretty well. And for people who are listening for the first time, in case you missed it, I'm a podcast host. So I feel like it's probably a given that I'm a bit of a talker, but I live and breathe by the philosophy, by my own philosophy that I've created. Of if something is really uncomfortable for me, I like to put it out there. I was never very good at internalizing anything. I'm pretty good at externalizing things <laughs> because again, talker. But in the process of externalizing the things that make me uncomfortable, it's actually honestly led to me growing a sense of confidence or comfort or sense of community with others because when you're externalizing those feelings you're not only learning and gaining support from the people around you but you're able to and I'll go back to the word comparison but you're able to compare your story with people who relate compare in a positive way instead of going down this negative route of everybody's always better than me it's not that it's like everybody is going through the same thing is what it allows you to do. And so I love that you guys like externalized kind of all of those things, turned it into a body blog. Then we're able to sprout it so, so much further down the road as we're here, what, six years later now. But I know that I'm sitting here and I'm like, every time that I externalize something that I'm going through that's uncomfortable, no matter where the conversation goes, I always feel better about just bringing it out to the table and sharing my discomfort. Because of the fact that I usually learn and gain support or assistance or help or something from the people around me. So it's pretty cool. I love that. Or you say it out loud and you're like, wait, I am crazy. That is a silly thing. To <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll, I've literally, the amount of times that I've sat back and I'm like, am I completely crazy for thinking blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, I am what I did. And sometimes, yeah. And honestly, when you put it out there into words, the words feel either crazier or completely less crazy when they actually exist versus when it's filing inside. 100%. 
I feel like we've kind of started talking about this journey in creating Revly and how the foundation occurred. And now hearing this foundation of you and your friends sitting, creating this body blog and like bringing positivity around, I'd love to hear beyond that inspiration. Like how have you gotten to where you are? What has been the constant inspiration of the journey in Revly or has the inspiration shifted through the years? Just kind of what the journey's been like of the last uh, six years of creating your business. Yeah. So like I said, it, the idea for the actual swimsuits and like the swimwear business side of it came from being in class, having to come up with a business plan. I grew up in San Diego. I love swimsuits. You know, I had a full bikini drawer with a million suits. That was like what I was asking for for Christmas every year. But I had this need where I would play in a sports bra. I would play in a cotton sports bra. There was no swimsuit that I could buy that was at the quality that I wanted it to be at that I could move around in and play in. Or I'd want to go, I can't surf, but I'd want to like go boogie boarding with my friends and like <laughs> flying off. And there was nothing out there that existed at the time. And that's kind of where my original idea came from. Kind of like taking my favorite sports bras, making them out of like the highest end swimmer fabric that's out there, making them seamless. So nothing's cutting in, digging in all that. And then joined with the fact that I hated wearing a swimsuit because I hated what I looked like in a swimsuit. I have pretty severe scoliosis. And, you know, to most people, you probably wouldn't even know that. But to me, like I feel or not anymore. I'm, I'm over it. But at the time, I felt like so deformed and that people were staring at my shoulder scap because it would wing out on one side. And I looked like a hunchback in my mind. No one would even probably notice. So that's kind of where like the insecurity came from around swimwear. And I thought that facing this insecurity head on by creating my own swimsuits and being forced to wear them publicly would help me overcome that. So that's where like the swimwear thing came from. The blog was joined with that. The blog still lives on revelysport.com. You can still find it on our site. And it was just me and my friends talking about why do we feel this way in a swimsuit? Why is everyone feeling this way? When someone says, I hate this about me, but I would never, ever recognize that in my friend. And all these flaws are really just in our head. So that's kind of where the blog came from. The swimmer idea, kind of bridging the gap between luxury and activity. Yeah, it was my last semester in college. I was at University of Wisconsin-Madison which was a pretty silly place to start a swimwear brand. But I flew home for Thanksgiving and my mom and I went to downtown LA and we went to go look at fabric. Like I had no, I had no business background. I had no design background. Like I'm not a super creative person. So it's kind of funny that I am in this very creative space. Um, but we just, I started just talking to as many people as I possibly could trying to get connected to pattern makers, manufacturers, fabric suppliers, and just going, like I spent that last semester of college researching how to manufacture. Like I had no idea what was involved. And um, I thought that was gonna be the hardest part was making these swimsuits. It took basically almost a year to go through the sample making process, find a reliable, trusted manufacturer and, you know, get the suits out there. And at this time we kind of, you know, it was me and my friends who had this blog. We had an Instagram. We had a couple thousand followers. We had some good traction through that. So I was like, perfect. We're ready to go. We launched product and we had like a little friends and family sale and sold a couple thousand dollars worth of stuff on the first day. It was like, awesome. This is going so well. And then day two, we sold nothing and had zero traffic to the website. And I was like, where, 
what are we supposed to do now? <laughs> like, I just didn't think anything through. I was just so in the moment of like, I'm going to solve this problem of there's no luxury active swimwear out there. We have this audience. Like, I know that this there's a demo for this, that this need exists. And I didn't think anything through past launch day. <laughs> so... <laughs> pretty funny that i mean literally day two i was like we have no plan going forward and then that was just kind of where we were at and i started doing a ton of trunk shows at sororities i started just selling on the beach at volleyball tournaments the first couple years were i was coaching on the side like this was not my full-time job it was really really hard harder than i thought it was going to be i was very naive i was 23 years old and thought that I would just sell a million suits and become a bikini millionaire and call it a day. And that's not <laughs> reality. So yeah, it was super hard in the beginning and very, very lonely. After graduation, all my all my friends got jobs and everyone was making friends at work and getting promoted and going on cool work trips. And I was in my apartment alone packing suits all day. And so I think that part was very hard in the beginning. And then honestly, it wasn't until COVID, I was still, I was trying to become a college coach. I coached at USD for a season. I was at Concordia with the men's program. And then COVID hit and gyms were shutting down and I had no other way of making money at the time. And I just decided to devote myself like full 100% to Revly. And I knew that it was a good product. I just needed to get it out there. So I redid the website. I made a new line of products. And that's when I really started to learn more about digital marketing, met with a couple agencies. And then it wasn't until spring of 21 that we actually like got real traction and were able to scale. And that's when I became, you know, full-time Revly. Full-time Revly and yeah. started signing athletes. And then our relationship started, which is pretty, it's pretty cool to hear starts are not always pretty or like the start is really pretty but the immediate after the start is not an easy journey nothing is gonna be sunshine and roses from the start if you get a sunshine and roses from the start situation that's awesome for you yeah. but no matter what putting in the work takes some time and talking a little bit of the isolation doing things on your own you had to make some like pretty serious sacrifices in order to follow this passion and what did it feel like making those kind of sacrifices or like how much were you sacrificing? What did it look like? What did it feel like when you were kind of in the rough patches of creation and stuff? Yeah, I think it was it was hard comparing myself to my friends who were working nine to five. So they would go to work Monday through Friday and they were making all these friends and having, I mean, not a lot of fun, but they were, you know, they had <laughs> cool jobs and I was alone in my apartment and with no one to really bounce ideas off of. Like I would call my mom and be like, what should we do today? Like, I don't, I didn't even have a plan like to go forward. And so really being in those dark places of, you know, I invested a lot of money into it. I was regretting it a lot. I was like, I shouldn't have done this. This was a bad idea. It's going to take even more money to get further. And so, yeah, there was a lot of regret. I wish that I hadn't started it for a long time. And it was kind of hard to pull myself out of that. And I think, you know, seeing the sacrifice side of it, my friends had weekends off and I would have to go to a sorority trunk show on a Saturday and I'd have to be at a volleyball tournament on Sunday. I didn't really get days off. And if, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, you have your own business, like you can do whatever you want. You have so much flexibility. I have no flexibility because we have so many events and there's so much to be done. And we have, I mean, now we have a team, but at the time it was just me 
So if I wasn't working and I was going off on vacation, nothing was getting done. So I think people definitely glamorize, you know, being a business owner and having a brand and it looks super cool. And, oh, you get to do fun photo shoots at the beach. And like, that is 1% of what we do. And so I think the sacrifice of not, you know, having that same schedule that everyone else did, you know, there was no really like time for me. And it was really hard to think about when do I get time off? You know, I, on Monday, I took the afternoon off this week. So I was like, I've worked for like 50 days straight. Like we've been going <laughs> like to tournaments every weekend and different events. And I was like, I really haven't had a day off in a long time. And it feels like there's a lot of guilt that comes with taking time off. I laid outside for like an hour and read a book. And I was like, this feels so weird. There's so much to be done. So I think going back to the sacrifice, it's you really sacrifice like your schedule and not being on the same schedule as your friends, especially like being 22 years old when everyone's kind of doing the same thing. Now it's like people have their own stuff going on. It's not as weird. Living life in the present moment, like it, you don't necessarily always see what's going to come of it in the long run. You were looking at what am I doing in this present moment right now? Six years from now would be sick, but I, <laughs> I'm not thinking about six years from now. I'm thinking about right now, what's going on right now in this moment. How did you gain and like grow your confidence in your decision over time? The decisions to follow the path that you took, how did you kind of gain and grow your confidence in that? I think it was, it was definitely like, in 2020, when I wasn't really able to coach anymore, and Revly was all I had. And I, I just remember, like, I wasn't even like posting on Instagram, I was kind of done with it. I just wanted to move on, like cut my losses, become a college coach and move like I loved volleyball so much. And then I like remember putting on one of the suits and I was like, these are so nice. And like, these really don't exist anywhere. Like I've gone swimwear shopping. Like, I can't find anything as nice as this, and I know people like it. So I think, like, having the confidence in the product and then getting feedback from people just validated that even more. So I think it really came from, like, knowing how good this product is and hearing from other people. I would get DMs all the time of, like, this swimsuit changed my life. I haven't worn a swimsuit in 20 years, and I put this on, and now I can you know, go to the pool with my family and like, this is amazing. So I think little, and it wasn't a lot of messages like that. I wasn't really selling that many suits, but hearing that kind of got me to get started again. And then when I revamped the website, that was all super exciting, kind of rebranding everything. Like we got a new logo. Like I really, it was like Revly 2.0 was coming. And then when we started the advertising, and because we never really spent any money on digital marketing all the money I was spending was going towards product. And then I was like, this is good. We have a new website. We got some new creative. Let's start, let's work with a digital marketing agency and run some ads and just see where we go. Let's really give this a shot. And, you know, in March of 2021, big brands were having major supply issues. So a lot of swimwear or just apparel in general was out of stock. You know, the world was in shambles. People didn't know what was happening. A lot of companies cut their marketing budgets, we're laying people off. We make everything in LA. So we we had products, we had inventory, we were ready to go. We signed on with an agency. And I remember March 17th, 2021, and we pressed go on our ads and I had no idea what to expect. And we sold like $3,000 worth of stuff in one day. And I think that was more than we sold all of 2020. <laughs> and I was like, this could be real. That really gives you confidence when people are buying your suits in mass quantities in one day. I was like, this is, this could be cool. 
this message is is people can relate to it. People are into what we're saying. They buy into the message. So that's really when we started to like form this community too, this online community of getting reviews, people commenting on our stuff, like really liking the product and liking the brand. And that year we were just really able to scale, which was cool. So selling through a lot of stuff, like that gives you a lot of confidence as well. That's, that's a fair point. That's so cool. And it's like, again, it started at a low point. You were ready to cut your losses and leave. And then you're like, okay, one last chance. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's, let's fully get in. And then now you're like, all right, now I'm full-time Revly and living a life that you were not necessarily anticipating for quite a few years there. So it's pretty cool that you've gotten to not even shift the perspective, just shift to like the reality. Now that you've got a team, it's less single-handedly, but you had to single-handedly work to shift your reality, which is a cool, cool journey. Yeah, definitely. It was kind of like, stop throwing a pity party. Things could be a lot worse. Let's give this <laughs> one last shot. And You're like, come on. Working. Yeah. And it's been yeah. super fun. It's been, you know, really, really hard. Like advertising to online has gotten a lot harder than it was in 2021. So we've kind of, you know, shifted to more in-person events, community events, trying to, you know, just get the brand out there through word of mouth, referrals, ambassadors all that jazz. So it's not been, I mean, I don't think there's ever been a moment where I'm like, this is so easy. I just get to sit back every day. Yeah. But it's definitely, it's been way more fun now than just sitting in my apartment in Santa Monica and like looking at all these suits being like, how am I going to sell these? <laughs> yeah. Now you're like, okay, I know how I'm going to sell them. It's just a yeah. matter of doing it. It's still a challenge. Yeah. It's just a different challenge and a different tier of challenge. Yeah, it's like it's the whole journey is a really intricate tiered level of each level. You get a little bit different of a challenge. It's still a challenge, just a little bit different than the one before every tier. Like it goes up a little bit, still has challenges, but it's just like a little bit elevated of a tier. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite part of like being your own boss or like being a business owner? I know that there's a lot of stress with all of it and that it's not as glamorous as it might appear. But like, what's your favorite part? of creating this brand that is yours? Well, I love one, being able to like control what our message is. You know, I we're, we're direct to consumer, so we are control every aspect of the customer experience. So I really like that, being able to relate to customers, talk to people in person at these community events. Like I love that part. And the second part would be, I get to choose who I work with. A lot of people don't get to do that. And I get to choose who we hire. I get to choose what kind of people we bring on. I interview everybody. Like that takes up a lot of my time is like the interview process. But <laughs> I really want to vet people because it's more than just, um, you know, bringing on p- capable, smart people. It's about bringing on people who are super passionate about what we're doing. I really try to hire for passion and positive people. I think bringing on like that's definitely the coolest part is I get to choose who I work with every day. That's nice. It's nice having a team that you enjoy and getting to choose that team. I feel like too, to kind of go back to the teamwork aspect, what you were saying earlier that you missed from athletics, now you get to kind of start building that piece that you missed in the form of business, building a team that you really care about, that you really enjoy working with, that are all working towards the same cause. It's a nice little twist of bringing back something that you might have missed from athletics and bringing it into the business side. Yeah, 100%. And I know that no one will be as bought in as I am, but the people that we do have, 
they are super bought into what we're doing and they care about this as much as I do. Like this is my baby and this is all I care about and all I think about. So there is that work-life balance for (laughs) other people. But um, yeah, it's been super fun. We're starting to partner with a lot of fitness studios and they'll invite our team in to like do a group workout. And that just like feels a little bit like being back in college doing like a team lift. Um, Totally. Been really fun. You're like getting the team workout, getting that competitive aspect. It's so fun to just get to do it together. I definitely miss the team element of like my best friend on my team. We would share a rack and we would spot each other. It just so happened. It was perfect that we actually lifted pretty similarly. We'd be like screaming at each other to push ourselves harder. I miss that little element of teamwork that came in college that I don't know if I'll necessarily get the opportunity to have again. I hope I do at one point, but getting that team element of where you're pushing each other to go harder and to go further and to do more. That's got to be a little bit too in business, like not only just like hiring the team, but they've got to, because they're so motivated, it's got to probably push you to make the business even stronger than it already, like to make it stronger and to keep on elevating too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, before when it was just me and it's like, okay, like no one's really holding me accountable, but if there's no structure now, like it's just chaos. (laughs) But fortunate where I really have people who like are self-starters, are self-motivated, you know, we do run as a startup. So having people that can kind of, you know, take initiative on their own, like that's been super helpful and it just elevates everybody. I have girls that are calling me like, I just thought of this like great idea. And it's like, I love that you're thinking about this on your drive home. Like, this is so great. But yeah, it does. It definitely like elevates everyone. Yep. You're like, yes, all right, it's not just my ideas now. I have other people's ideas that I can put into the jar and use and thrive with. It's really fun to have the idea of everybody's like constantly taking the time to take the initiative and put in more. So that's got to be a fun aspect of small business too, of like everybody's bringing more things to the table again, like it's not just you anymore. I know that this is your baby and you care about it. Has it been nice to release some of the pressure that the ideas don't always just have to be from you? Yeah, 100%. And I like when I'm interviewing people, I'm like, I know that I'm mostly wrong. Like there is no right or wrong way to do something. And I want people like not people that are just yes people who just agree with everything I say, like, please challenge me. I know that there's I'm probably doing this wrong. And like I said before, like I'm not creative. So I really like to surround myself with people that are creative and have an eye for aesthetics because I don't. That is not my strong suit at all. I'm super lucky I get to work with my sister who like I feel like we are kind of opposites in that sense. She does all (laughs) of our marketing and photo shoot planning and email campaigns. And she's just so brilliant at what she does. And I'm so lucky that we have an amazing relationship and we get to work on this together. It's so fun. But yeah, it's really nice to just be able to bounce ideas off of people because before it'd just be me like talking in a mirror, like, do we think this is good? Let's do it. I don't know. (laughs) And now, you know, I have people that can kind of bring their own ideas to the table, which is so fun. That is really nice. And I love you and Jamie. I feel like you and your sister are the like yin and yang of Revly. You guys kind of complement each other so nicely with your two sides so perfectly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I do all the boring stuff (laughs) and she gets to do all the fun (laughs) stuff. (laughs) she gets to she's a little more flashy than you by nature though I feel like so it would make sense that she would (laughs) I was gonna say it fits that she does the flashier side of things yeah (laughs) and she's so great at it so it works (laughs) it's pretty easy so looking at kind of your whole background and everything how do you use 
your like competitive mindset? How do you use the aspects of working of a team? How do you use your athletics background to push yourself forward in the working world? I think, you know, going back to what I was saying about being like self-motivated, determined, all that, like that's all built in from being an athlete, you know, to play at the level that we played at, you got to have that or else you're not going to get there. So I think that just like is already a part of who I am. Just having that as an athlete where, you know, you really want to work hard towards something and actually set goals that you can eventually succeed at. And it just, it like constantly pushes you forward because again, athletics kind of taught you that this is the way to be. There isn't really another way to be beyond like the competitive nature or driving yourself forward or trying to be better than you were the day before. Totally. I know my college coach, like he was all about, I feel like a lot of people say this, like get 1% better every day, which at the time I was like, I'm so sick of hearing this. But now it is really helpful. It's like, what did we do yesterday? What can we do better today? This is great. And he also would always say like, you need to have stick-to-itiveness, which I just thought was like the lamest thing ever in college. But it is so true. Like you really like that just goes to like the determination thing, having the stick to itiveness of being relentless. Like so many people tell you no and so many doors are shut in your face being I mean, people don't believe that I'm the person that owns this because well, I'm 28 now. But when I first started, I was like 23 years old going into manufacturers and being like, hey, what's pricing for this? And they would just completely screw me with pricing because they thought I was just like a dumb 23 year old girl. So just having, you know, that confidence in yourself and belief in what we're doing i think that has definitely helped stick to itiveness stick to itiveness is like the most important thing to like i like it's like creating a word out of like three words that are so good too i love that stick to itiveness like stick to it come on like have the intuitive the intuition to stick to it too i think i'm going to use that word that might need to be one that i'm just going to use from here on out stick to itiveness yes <laughs> good one and it's so true it's like that's what's driving us forward and it's going to get really really hard but if you can stick to it and have that you know ability within yourself like that's what gets you to the place you want to be i love it i really love that it's so fun <laughs> And, and it's just a fun word to say. It's kind of a tongue twister in a word, but like, it's just fun to say too. Stick-to-itiveness. I can't wait to use that in like everyday talk and have yep. people be super confused by what word I'm using. And I'm like, you don't know that? Oh, it's kind of the best word ever. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I'm like, that's my best character trait, my stick-to-itiveness. <laughs> exactly. No, that's absolutely like absolutely you have to share that and people are like you're what you're like my stick to itiveness you get (laughs) you heard me correctly yeah you have to get on the wave (laughs) I think looking back at when you were kind of starting could you have ever predicted that this would have been the route that you'd have taken like not really I mean my dad owns his own business so I mean, I grew up with my dad always at home. He worked from home. He made his own hours. He didn't miss like a single sporting event or play or anything. He drove us to school. He could pick us up from school. Like I I knew that I liked that. And so I feel like deep down inside, like I always wanted, I mean, there is not a lot of flexibility right now, but I did want that flexibility of being my own boss. But I never really anticipated that it would turn out this way. I loved working in sports like my only internship I ever had when I was in college was working for the athletic department with their marketing social media team. So I really liked that and like 
advertising through social media, being at games, being around athletes. Um, so I feel like I kind of found like a happy medium where I am around a ton of athletes. We work with a lot of athletes. We're at a lot of sporting events. Like that part is so cool. And working on the social media advertising marketing side and being able to be my own boss. Like I think I maybe subconsciously just kind of formed, made this job for myself, but there was no real, like anything driving me within until that, like lightning bolt moment of like, this is what I want to do up until that moment. Like when I was playing volleyball in college, I didn't really think about what my career was going to be. Like we didn't have time for part-time jobs or internships. Like we were training year round. So I think kind of when volleyball ended and it was like, what am I going to do with my life? And even when I had this idea, it wasn't even at that time, like this will be my full-time job. It was just like, let's kind of see where this goes. So I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) besides the fact that working for yourself is pretty cool yeah (laughs) that's what you do know yeah if you had any message to give to your younger self if you could pick one or two if anything what would those messages or that message be I think kind of going back to what we were saying about the comparison thing you know you're on your own path your time will come it is a marathon not a sprint like really living by that. I think that would have saved me a lot of sleepless nights and stress, but also don't take it too seriously. I think I took volleyball like really, really seriously in high school. Like that's all I cared about. And I am thankful that it did get me to the point that I got to, but I got hurt in college. Didn't really get to have a college career. And I think like losing that, like losing volleyball kind of set me on a bad path of trying to find myself, becoming a different a person that I, like, I didn't really recognize. I am thankful that it did get me to where I was going, but you know, life is too short and volleyball ends for everybody at some point or whatever sport oh, you're yeah. playing ends. So yeah, I don't know, live a little, have fun and don't take it so seriously. Love it. Love it. Yes. For those who are in the thick of it right now, yeah. Letting yourself letting yourself breathe a little is really nice because learning to breathe later is really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And it's really, really hard. Crazy sometimes. And you're like, you <laughs> yes. freak out and it's like, what's going on? <laughs> it's nice to hear and also nice to just like relate. Okay, there more than just one person has gone through this. Like it's it's pouring yourself into your sport or pouring yourself into athletics and everything is awesome and incredible. But there's also, it's nice to provide yourself with some breathing room. Yeah. And just finding that balance too. You know, if you don't get to go to your dream school, that's not the end of the world. Or I see people all the time, like pick a school just based off of a coach or just based off of a program. And they actually don't want to be at that school. And it's like, what happens if you get hurt? Or what happens if that coach leaves? And then you're stuck at a school that you don't want to be at. So I don't know, just having some perspective, which is easier to do now than when I was 14 years old. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yeah. So I think I definitely had blinders on when I was going through the recruiting process. Like I just wanted to be at UCLA. That's all I cared about. And I got an offer and I was like, perfect going. And I don't think that was the right fit for me. And I probably shouldn't have gone there to begin with. And that did lead me to transfer to Wisconsin. And I'm so grateful that, you know, I had that journey and I do really believe that everything happens for a reason, but I don't know, just having more perspective, which is really hard, but taking a step back and being like, what do I actually want in life? I could blow out my knee tomorrow and not, never play volleyball again. So put yourself- And what in- do I do? 
Yeah. Yeah. And what would I, what would I want then? Which is right. a whole bunch of things, hopefully. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think the last little bit here, these last couple of questions that I'm asking you, they're created following the pillars of Strong Girls United. And for our, our returning listeners who know the pillars already, I hope that you enjoy me explaining them again. But for our first time listeners, Strong Girls United is set on a series of three pillars and it's strong bodies, kind hearts, and unstoppable minds. While we're practicing athletic mindsets and active lifestyles with the girls that we that are a part of our programs, we also have these three pillars of creating just strong women from strong girls. So in the spirit of our three pillars, Jordan, how do you keep your body strong? To keep my body strong, I try to, I walk my dog every day, which is nice. I love to start my day by walking outside, looking at the sun. That's the best I do. I have severe scoliosis, which we talked about. So I do a lot of <laughs> yoga to stay upright and stay to stay straight. <laughs> and I try to eat as healthy as I possibly can with not limiting myself and having treats when I want treats. Yes, love. Now, next up on our list is how do you keep your heart kind? I feel like who I am is a kind person. I really hope that every person I've met can say the same. But I think, you know, coaching kids really teaches you patience. And, you know, it sometimes makes me really sad, like going back and teaching and working with high schoolers, because it's like, I wish I could be your age again. And I wish that I could go th through the process that you're about to go on. So yeah, working with kids is like my favorite thing ever and coaching and giving back and providing that opportunity to kids to work with someone who like is as invested as they are, and maybe more invested in their futures than they are. <laughs> I think, you know, that definitely helps keep my heart kind just working with kids. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And last but most certainly not least, how do you keep your mind unstoppable? The stick to itiveness, baby. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was hoping that that was what your answer was going to be was the stick to itiveness. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> that just relentless mindset of constant pursuit of sticking to it. Stick to itiveness. I'm telling you, it's my new favorite word, I think. It's the best. <laughs> Everyone's going to tell you now, but one person might tell you yes, and that's all that matters. And you will never know unless you try a billion times. So there's going to be a lot of failure, but you got to keep going. Got nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah, really. There isn't anything like what you have to, if at first you don't succeed, you have to try again. Okay. Yeah. Let's try again. Bring Stick it. Stick Let's go. <laughs> I love it. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This has been so much fun and I'm so, so grateful for this time together. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. And I'm so stoked for everything that you're doing. Thanks, man. And this whole journey that we're on, I mean, like you were saying, you would not have predicted where you're at at 28 when you were 22, 23. And I'm in that 22, 23. No idea where, to, where I'm going to be five years from now, but I'm just enjoying it. And one thing that's really cool is getting to be able to have really inspiring conversations with people like yourself. Yeah, it's fun. And trust me, it only gets better. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, for everybody listening, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to another episode of Strong Girls Pod today. I'm your host, Charlie Ekstrom. I'm here with the lovely Jordan Robbins, and we are signing off. Thanks. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on Strong Girls Pod. 
In the spirit of growing community and inspiring strong girls and women everywhere, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment about our podcast. Tell your friends, family, really everyone to listen in and enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by Strong Girls United, a nonprofit with a mission to empower girls to be strong, confident, and resilient through sports mentorship and mental health programming. Visit sgunitedfoundation.org to learn more on how you can get involved today.